ourselves and not denying ourselves, when we focus less on ourselves and start loving other people, it's actually something that's liberating. It's actually refreshing. It's actually uh, renewing. And it's a pretty awesome thing. And so this morning, my question is this. Jesus came and gave his life for us so we can understand real love. So the question is, i got, I got to get you engaged here because some of you are just still like staring at me like, where am I at today? Um, are you ready to live a new life through being self-giving. Are you ready to experience love in a new way? You see our world, all the songs, all the movies, it's always about a sappy love or a, a love and it's always about how can I get more love? And you get more love, Jesus said, by giving love. You get more by giving. Our society says you keep taking in and you get more. Jesus says that's not right. I am love, you're love, I'm in you, but when you give love, you you get more love. Kind of crazy, right? Okay? So Luke chapter 22, uh, we're going to kind of go through a little bit of this. We're talking about, number one, the self-giving of Jesus. We're talking about this. If you have notes, great. If not, um, Jesus said in Luke 22, 19, he's, they're preparing to take the Seder dinner. Uh, the Seder dinner, what we would call communion in church today. And they're preparing that. And he says, this take eat of this bread. This is my body. Do this. Remember, Whatever you do, do remember to me. Here's the cup. Remember my blood. Okay? And so he says, do this and remember to me and he walks through some things through communion I'm not going to walk through all of them today but we're going to talk about the significance of what Jesus was talking about so the first part is do this and remember to me do you remember now some of you may not remember this because you're too young but do you remember where you were on the morning of September 11 2001 some of you are like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I vividly remember. And, he, and what, what um, social scientists and researchers say is, is what happens is it's called the flashbulb memory. When something traumatic uh, or something surprisingly good or meaningful, it jars our brain. And our brain releases this thing called glutamate. Glutamate. Not gluten, okay? Glutamate. To say glutamate. So you had a science lesson in church today, isn't it awesome? So you're like, I already knew that, Pastor Jan. I could tell you the chemical breakdown. That's great. Tell me later after the service, all right? I'd love to hear that. And if I'm not listening, I apologize. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and so what happens is your brain releases this glutamate, and it improves your mental processing, you're more focused, and what you experience that day will last in your mind forever. So you like if you ask some of those veterans from World War II, where were you? December 7th, 1941, they will actually, it's just like our generation. Where were you September 11th, 2001? You remember everything. It was, it was again, it was a surreal day for most of us. Like if you weren't born then, then you don't remember. So Jesus is now taking his disciples into Jerusalem for his last, what we would call the Last Supper, okay? He's taking them through the Seder dinner. The Seder dinner, I'm trying to bore you just a little bit, is to remind them of what happened. It's called the Passover meal. They're, they're reminding, they're reminded that they were once slaves in Egypt and they were taken out after 400 years through Moses and they took what was called the, the Seder dinner or what we call communion today, the Passover meal, and it was to remind them that the death angel passed over over their lives because of the blood of the lamb on their post. You remember that now? So, yeah, what, whatever, whatever. This is important, okay? So now Jesus is taking this to them and he goes and he's about to do some things during the communion time or during the Seder dinner to hopefully say, do this and remember to me. Not just a religious act, but something that they'll remember forever. Okay, so this this aspect here, Jesus is going to do something that jars them, that makes them say, "Wait a minute, this is crazy." So now, if you take your Bibles out, and if not, I don't have, I don't know if I have it on the screen. Luke twenty-two, twenty-four through twenty-seven. 
Luke 22, verses 24 through 27, all right? Here it goes. It says this. Um, actually, so, yeah, so let me do this. So he's, he's, they're doing communion, they're eating, he's taking the bread, he's done this remembrance of me, and now verse 24. Isn't this awesome? They're so holy-minded, look at them. And also dis- a dispute arose among them, as of which of them was considered to be the greatest. Isn't this awesome? I mean, where is their focus? So Jesus is saying, I'm about ready to go to the cross, I'm gonna die, I wanna, do you remember this? And, he, and what are they arguing about? Who's stronger, right? Who's better looking? Yeah, and so I like, who's going to be the greatest? Like, this is crazy, right? You just say yes, alright? So Jesus said to them, the kings of the, of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority, uh, over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table, or the one who serves? Is it not the one who, who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. Okay, so he's now saying, hey, I am the master. You know that. I've taught you. I do all these signs and wonders. I've, I, I'm the Christ, but I'm here to serve you. And so here in our world, we say, I want people to what? Serve me. In fact, isn't it kind of funny? We call a worship service, right? Think about that. Who are we serving? Okay, why? it's not really a service, it's a worship meeting. And what happens in our service-minded society, we come to church, how is the church going to serve me, right? You go to a restaurant, you expect what? Good service. You come to church, you expect a good... Come on, go ahead. Somebody like, yeah. Come on. And so here it is, Jesus is serving the disciples. He's taking the bread, he's taking the cup. He's going to do something more radical in a moment. We're going to go there. But they're already saying, who, 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 who's going to be the best? Who's the greatest? I mean, and so we live in a crazy society, right? It's always about what's best for me. How can I get more for me? Does Jesus even know that I'm the greatest? Did Jesus even see my biceps, right? Or does Jesus even see how good I can count the money? Does Jesus know any fish I can catch? I mean, this is the, there's like, did you, did Jesus see that I served more homeless people last week than Peter did? Mm-hmm. And so what's happening, it's focused on them instead of what Jesus is going to do and what he's done for them and going out. So again, this proves that humanity struggles with selfishness. Come on, how often are we sitting in a meeting or a group of people and the thought, those same thoughts come through our mind? Come on. I'm better looking than them. I can't believe he wore those shoes. I can't believe she wore that scarf. I have a better job than them. I'm more educated. Or I'm just, I have better street. Do you see what I'm saying? No? You're, okay, then you are awesome. So I'm, I'm talking to the wrong crowd today, but, Jesus tells them that the kingdom mindset is a lot different than the world system. So now you gotta take your Bible out and you, or your palm device or your cell phone, not even palm device anymore, uh, John 13. This is a different aspect. This is still the same communion time or Seder dinner or Passover meal, but now John is giving you his perspective. Say, John, John. is giving me his perspective. Come on, I gotta just keep you in here. So, so John is now giving his perspective. We're going, we went from Luke. Luke was giving his perspective of the Last Supper, which we would call that. And now if you go to John chapter 13, verses 3 through 5, 
verses 3 through 5, it's the same Seder dinner, it's the same Passover. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power. Verse 3, Jesus knew that, all, that the Father put all things under His power and that He had come from God and was returning to God. So He got up from the meal, took off His outer clothing and wrapped a towel around His waist. After that, He poured water into a basin and began to wash His disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around Him. Now, He does something, this is scandalous. Jesus is the Master, Right? Right? I mean, they saw Jesus raise people from the dead, cast out demons. They, they saw him walk in the water. This is the master. So the master, instead of says, hey, hey, Peter, come here. Wash my feet. Get the toe jam out too while you're at it. I mean, that's our society, right? And so Jesus does the opposite. He takes, a ta- takes his cloak off. He puts a towel around his waist, gets a wash basin, and he begins to wash their feet. This is one of those moments where it's a flashbulb memory. The glutamate comes to my Wait a minute. This is the guy that raised people from the dead. This is the Messiah. We should be serving him, but he comes down to serve us. This was something that he says, do this in remembrance of me. So remember now, power and authority uh, and recognition in our world says if you have more money, you're better looking, you have a better job, you have this power, you are to be served. Jesus says that's the way the world serves, but it's the opposite in the kingdom of God. We serve people because we love people. This is a struggle. So if you want better relationships, you want a better job, you want to be a better employee, you want to be a better single person, you want to be a better whatever, you and I have to learn this self-giving love that Jesus gives us. Because the world's love, it's, it's messed up. Come on, it's messed up. God is love and His love is a lot different, okay? And so I'm trying to get us to wake up this morning here. Jesus demonstrates service and sacrifice. He doesn't pay someone else and delegate the lowly task. He Himself does the lowly task. See, we live in an area where we hire people to do the lowly task, right? God bless you if you can do that, okay? But He shows them, He says, now... Whenever you do this, taking of the Seder dinner, do it in remembrance of me. Now go down to verse 12, okay? John 13, 12. You're going to see more because there's more to it than what we all see. Verse 12. When they had finished washing their feet, when he had finished washing their feet, he put his, put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now, that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You should also wash one another's feet. Gross, right? I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Verse 17, this is key for us now. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So Jesus, again, he shows them self-giving Love. He serves them. He goes out of the way. Self-giving love changes the world. Selfishness just unravels our world. Come on, think about that. Think about what our world is like because of selfishness. And think about how better the world could be when we start doing self-giving. Now, it's not denial. And again, he's not really saying, okay, he's not saying go around with a bucket of water and soap looking to wash people's feet. Because, I mean, he is saying be willing. It would be like maybe the governor of your state coming on your door, knocking at your door, say, hey, I'm here to serve you today. And you're like, yeah, what? whatever. You're looking for the cameras, right? What, what's up with this? And he's not, I'm really, I'm by myself to, well, I got my guard and we're here. I'm going to like mow your lawn. I'm going to clean up your dog stuff out back and I'm going to scrub your toilets. Just because I'm a public servant and I'm here to serve you. 
you would freak out, wouldn't you? I mean, wait a minute, Governor. You, you need to be out solving problems. You need to get these two parties that are like pointing. They, you need to work them together, right? Right? You would. Okay, here's what Jesus is saying. This is what Christ's love is like. Is we are looking to serve people, helping them so that they will be better people. And so you and I struggle with this because this is not something we would think about. Now again, there's been a few times when I've done foot feet washing where the Lord has just prompted me and it's powerful. Um, but Jesus is saying, don't just look at that, but look at ways that you can give yourself to serve somebody. That single mom who can't afford to fix her car. Maybe God would help you. That man who's a technical guru with computers, but he has no idea how to use a chainsaw, right? Or how to mow a lawn. Maybe you can help him out. Or maybe, maybe again, the elderly person next door, they can't paint their stuff. They can't get up on their roof to clean off leaves. Maybe God would inspire you. So you know what? I can get out there and do that. I can help. Maybe that coworker struggling with a new software program and you know how to do it. Maybe you'll just go out there and show them how to do it and help them out. Do you see what I'm saying? Well, they, then if they do that, then they'll get the bonus. Is it always about a bonus? Is it always about you and I? Isn't it sometimes about just helping other people? I mean, our world is crazy. It's always about us. Why not say, you know what? I'm good. How can I be a blessing to someone else? This is the message of Jesus Christ. This is self-giving. This is the selfless love that Jesus talks about. And so here it is. He he humbles himself. He washes their feet. And he says, now, verse 17, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Our society says you will be blessed if people serve you. Jesus says you will be more blessed, really, if you serve other people. And it doesn't mean that you make yourself dirt or, or no one important. But let me talk about this for a few minutes. What keeps us, what keeps us from, from being self-giving? Well, the number one, the biggest barrier is fear. Say fear. Fear. We, we fear, number one, okay, we fear humbling ourselves. We fear, okay, if I don't take care of my needs, who's gonna, who's gonna take care of my needs? Who will watch over me? Who will help me out? Um, the other fear is this, is that we fear, fear causes us to lack our faith in God. That who, how, if I don't do this, God will not provide for me. And in a few moments, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you a scripture about that. God promises to take care of your every need. Isn't that awesome? Come on. And it doesn't mean you can be lazy, but it says God will take care of your needs. The second greatest thing that keeps us from self-giving is the concept, what's in it for me? Come on. What's in it for me? Why am I at this job? What's in it for me? Why do I go to this church? What's in it for me? Why am I part of this this uh, community event? What's in it for me? Why am I helping my neighbor out? What's in it for me? Why do I go to the sporting event? What's in it for me? Why, you see what I'm saying? Many of us are tuned into that radio station. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? What's in it for me, right? Many studies show, listen to this, many studies show that if you offer someone money to perform a task that they would otherwise be happy to do without pay, it turns on more so the what's in it for me way of thinking. Okay? And it, it's sadly because we used to see in churches and charitable organizations, people used to just come to serve because they loved to serve. That now they come, well, do I get volunteer hours for this? Will the pastor recognize me? Will I get my name on a plaque? What's in it for me? Will God bless my finances if I serve? If I go help the homeless? With that attitude, I'm going to be honest with you, probably not. But if it's, you know what, I just love people, I want to help, you will be blessed. Because Jesus said, you will be blessed if you practice these things. 
And we are filling churches up in America full of people. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? And we miss out on the blessings of God. And we say, how can I bless some other people? How do I come to church to serve God and others instead of coming to church, they better serve me. Come on, amen? amen. So the, the mindset Jesus says, it's not always about you. I mean, the disciples, what, what's in it for me? How do I become the greatest? Jesus says, this attitude can be broken, but it takes time. It takes, it takes a work. You see, sadly, our society, people again, what, what's in it for me? How do I get out of this? What, what, what's in it? I mean, we just saw the elections. If you elect me, I will do this, right? I'm an optimist. But I've been on this earth long enough to say, okay, after they get my vote or your vote, they forgot what they promised. How often do we do that, people? I'll do that for you. You, you just help me out. I'll do this for you. And it really wasn't for them to, you help them out, just for you to get into place. It's a sad state of our society, right? I go, I mean, Pastor, I, I didn't come to church to hear this. Well, yeah, you did. I need this. You need this. We need to realize that Christ's love is not always about us, but it's about helping and serving. Our world's a better place when we help and we serve. I think about, again, those who served in the armed forces, the veterans. I think about my father putting himself in harm's way so that I could live life. I think about the, the EMTs, the police officers, and sadly we've seen crazy stuff still, who put their life on the line so you and I can live a good life, a free life. Come on, amen? So this, what's in it for me attitude, it can be broken if we begin to focus. Matthew 16, 24-25, already said this, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Then Luke 14, 33, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. That's crazy, right? And then John 13, 34 says, A new command I, I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Man, our world is full of hate, right? What about if we start just loving people? You know what? They, they voted differently. They look different. They come from a different country. Just love them anyway. Just love them because Jesus loved us. Come on. He saw us in our despair or our darkness or our, our worst state of mind or worst part of life and He still loved us. And our society is getting further apart and we're blaming and pushing and saying, you know, you're a terrible person even though I don't even know you but because you voted this way or you look this way or because you're this color. Jesus says, I love you no matter who you are and we should practice that same love. Come on, amen? amen. And the church, here's what Jesus says, now, do this in remembrance of me. Church, it's our job to love people. It's your job as a human who's called by God to love your neighbor, to love your coworker, hey, to love your enemies, to love people that you don't even know that you're to say, you know what, how can I give my life to help them out? This is good preaching. I know some of you like this, but here we go. The next thing is this, is we can fear, break this fear of missing out on what we need. And it comes to what Jesus says is seek first my kingdom. Matthew 6, 31. So do not worry saying what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So God is saying, I will take care of you. Again, he's not saying being lazy, but he says, if you seek after me, if you have self-giving love, I will take care of your needs. I will watch over you. I will provide for you. Isn't this good? You're kind of sedate today. 
Yes. I mean, it's like, what happened? To, just, no, don't do that. Maybe I'm sedate. I'm not as hyper as usual. All right, I need some more coffee. Ushers, bring in some more coffee, please. I'm just kidding. So, here we go, all right? If you and I want to be like Christ, if we want our world to be better, we want our lives to be better, we have to break this fear of who's going to watch out for me. Well, let me just help you. God is going to watch out for you. Okay? And then secondly, what's in it for me? Well, you'll be blessed by serving. That's what's in it for you. If you're doing it to get some more, well, I'm going to be, it's going to help me out, then you're missing out on the blessing. And look for ways that God can help you. All right, so let's move on, all right? So here's what Jesus taught about self-giving. Again, Matthew 5.41. You've heard this, and now it becomes cliche. In fact, we've kind of ruined it. If, it. if someone forces you to go a mile, go with him two miles, okay? So here it is. It's more than just the bare minimum. It's more than just the bare minimum. So during this time, i got to give you a backstory. During this time, the Roman empires ruled most of the known world at this time. Okay, the Romans were very industrious. They have roads everywhere. In fact, much of their work is still in different parts of the world today. In fact, uh, many languages are based off of their Latin language, the Romantic languages, right? Okay, uh, and so... Um, when what happened was a Roman soldier, and specifically with the Jewish people, they could be carrying their gear. And if you if you ever been in the military and you've had to, and, and please, let me not use that term that the military's. When you have to carry that gear, right? Your 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 first aid kit, your food, your water, your ammunition. You got to carry that weapon of peace, right? It's a peaceful weapon, right? It's a peacemaker, uh, and you have to have the Kevlar on. That's heavy gear, right? No, it is. Just it, trust. It's heavy gear. And you, you know, we watch TV and they go, "This is easy. I could do that." Especially, like, I love. Video, I'm getting off. I love the video games, and I, I don't because I don't play them anymore. But the active shooter video games, which we're not supposed to be doing, and they show kids, you know, people running and shooting. If you've ever tried that, it doesn't work that way. Anyway, so the Roman soldiers would see a Jewish person and say, "Here, the law says you must carry my gear for a mile." So. Carry my gear, my sword, my helmet, my armor, my food, my whatever else, my other, my battle shoes, uh, carry my lances. You gotta carry all this stuff and all, any other stuff that I took from your neighbor, the gold, their, their jewelry. You gotta carry, the law says you have to carry it a mile. So Jesus is saying with this, they understand this and he's saying, alright, you wanna practice self-love? Go the extra mile. Our society says, man, if you want to win a championship, go the extra mile, right? You want to get that bonus? Go the extra mile. So we've, again, we've turned it to who? Self. Jesus says, if you want to make a difference in these people, I mean, can you imagine? The, the Jews are like, Jesus, are you kidding me? These are our oppressors. They rob from us. They come into our homes. They live there and they take whatever they want. And now you're telling me to, to go beyond the bare minimum? And carry their stuff another mile? Can you imagine what God could do through us going beyond the bare minimum? How many of us go to church we just do the bare minimum? We go to work and we just do the bare minimum. So you get a paycheck, right? You go to class and you just do the bare minimum, right? I've been there. You go to your neighborhood and you just do the bare minimum. And your family, you want, man, our marriage is terrible but because you're just doing the bare minimum. My kids disrespect me because maybe you're doing just the bare minimum. My mom and dad don't love me. Well, maybe because you're just doing the bare minimum. 
I mean, it was a shock to my mom when us boys would clean the house. And often it was because we wanted something, right? Isn't that sad? But imagine if you didn't do it because you wanted something and you didn't want to get disciplined by your father, right? <laughs> you just, you know, why did you do this? Just because I love you. And I feel like I just, I should, I need to serve sometimes and not always be about me. So Jesus does something radical. And he says, you know what? Go the extra mile. Move, move, move beyond just the bare minimum. In fact, they would, some theologians say that the Jewish boys from their home, they would take a, they would mark a, a mile in each direction from their house so they knew where they had to stop. So they had a marker somewhere, there was a rock or a stake, and the Roman soldier would carry my gear, so they would carry the gear, and a mile down the road they had this marker, and they'd say, okay, here it is. Bye. Your Roman law says, and how often do we do that, right? Same concept. We just kind of, I'm just going to do the bare minimum. You're missing out on being a blessing. Here's what it is. Here's what Jesus is saying. Do something for others they didn't expect. Look for opportunities to serve. Again, just be a blessing. Just, it's not a, I mean, Help them. Just just be there. Come on, amen? Imagine the opportunity in our crazy, mixed-up world where they see Christians as wackos and you're going to blow their mind more by just doing extra for them. Your, your obnoxious co-worker who's inebriated often and is like has an abusive tongue and yells at everybody. Imagine, you know, I'm just going to help this person with their project because I just want to be a godly person. Why are you doing that? Because I just want to help you out. Imagine what that would do if you did that just out of love. No strings attached. It's going to give you opportunity. They're going to say, you know what, you're different. Can you tell me about that? I guarantee you, this, if you start doing it with the right attitude, with the service mentality of Christ, it will open doors for you to share Jesus Christ with them. I guarantee it. I promise you. I guarantee it because I practice it myself at times. Do you want to grow in love? The question is, do you want to grow in love? You need to go the extra miles Jesus describes. Not for something to bless you, but say, so you know what, I'm just going to do it because Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to serve without asking to be served. This, here it is. Here's another thing. Luke 6.31, alright? If it's in your Bible, it's, it says, do to others... Do to others as you would have them do to you. Do to others as you'd have them do to you. This, we, we call this the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. God says if you want to be blessed, treat people the way you want to be treated. Right? Our society needs help on this again. The church needs to be the light for this again. Because our, our society says badmouth everyone, disrespect everyone, and you wonder why no one likes you. Come on, Right? Jesus says this, you want to be treated right? Treat someone else. You want love? You want respect? You want patience? You want kindness? You want understanding from others? Treat them the same way. Don't be so quick to judge. I've been talking about that over the last few weeks as we've been talking about this. The golden rule, it's not a passive love. We're not Buddhist, right? You know, Buddhism, no offense if you... Buddhism says, empty yourself, have no feelings, just, you know, go along and just just be like, you know, be nominal and just be passive. This is not what Jesus is saying. He's saying this is a proactive love. 
Treat others as you'd want them to be treated. It isn't just say, here, step on me, kick me, I love, oh, I love Jesus. Isn't that great? You, you want my wallet? Go ahead. Just rob me. I love Jesus. That's not what he's saying. He's saying treat people the way you want to be treated and be proactive with it. Being Buddhist is crazy. I mean, can you imagine? God put passion in us, right? I mean, oh, well, I don't enjoy food. It's tasteless to me. Give me yours. I'll, I enjoy it, man. Put some picante on there, man. You know, I mean, do you see what I'm saying? God made you passionate about something. Yes. He doesn't take your feeling, I'm a Christian, I don't feel it. Let me help you with Jesus. No. Love one another, and love is a, is a feeling, right? It's also emotion. It's, and, and so if you want to love, and you want to be loved, you got to love back, right? And love forward. Do something that benefits other people without always being, how can I get something from them? I mean, you're going to blow people's minds. You say, I just love, why are you doing this? Because I love you. Yeah, you're crazy, man. Yeah, Jesus is helping me. It opens great doors, I'm telling you. And it changes their mind because our world is so self-focused. I know, Pastor, this is a broken record. I just heard you say it. This, again, is not waiting to be treated nicely. It's you treat someone nice first. I mean, how often do we sit in a room? Come on. We sit in a room, someone walks in a room, and we wait for them to be nice to us. Come on. Let me help you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Get up and be nice to them. Mm. We all well, they didn't say hi to me. Did you say hi to them? No. Drives me crazy. I know I'm slightly introverted. No, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a little bit of an extrovert. Okay, so I enjoy meeting new people. But why don't you get out of your comfort zone? So you know what? Jesus said, do to others as I would do unto them. I want them to do to me. Be nice to them. When you see someone that's new at work or school or church and you know that they're kind of awkward, it's awkward because you come into a place and you don't know anybody, welcome them. Hey man, sit down with us. Join us for lunch today. Uh, let me help you out. Let me get you up to speed on what's going on in our workplace today. Help them out, man. Do it because Jesus will bless you for it. Amen? All right, let's move on. Because you're kind of sedate and you're making me sedate. So I need to move on. Number four is how to be more self-giving. Jesus said this. I mean, Paul said this to Jesus said this to Paul. Bear with each other. Isn't that awesome? Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you, you may have against one another. Forgive the Lord forgives you. Now, I'm just saying that bear with you. I mean, some of you, bear, you're bearing with me today, right? You're bearing with me. You're like, man, I just wish this message. It's going to end in a moment, all right? Think about what Jesus does for us. Think about the people that have bore with you when you're going through some tough times. And so here I want you to be reminded that for us to be more self-giving, we've got to put ourselves in their shoes. You've heard that. It's again, it's a cliche statement. Okay? The Bible tells us basically to move from sympathy to empathy. Sympathy says this, I feel bad for them. Right? Empathy says, man... I've felt pain like that. I understand what they're going through. Okay, and, until you've lost someone, you don't, you can't relate. Or you've been fired or laid off from a job. You and if you never happened to you, you don't understand. If you, until you've had some emergency, so I'm not saying you can't feel that. But let me move it a step further. Okay, so sympathy is, man, I feel bad for them. Empathy is, man, I understand that pain. So Dr. Parrott in his book says, sympathy is like standing on the shore and throwing a life ring out to the person struggling in the water. Man, I want to help them out. So here, here's a lifeline. Grab it. Empathy is this. You jump in the water 
with them, the cold water. You thrash them and you get the lifeline on them and you bring them in. It says, you know what? I'm risking my life, but I'm going to help this person because they are in danger. Sympathy says, someone better call 911. Why, why aren't you calling it? Why aren't you guys doing something, right? You have the, if you've ever been around an accident or a tragedy or something, something tra- there's always those people. Why don't you do something? They're sympathetic. But the empathetic person, they're not waiting for someone. They're just, they're, they're running right towards that. How can I help? How can I serve? What can I do? How can I help that person? You see, this should be the motive of the Christian. Not sympathy, but empathy. So you know what? I remember the pain. I remember being a single parent. I remember being homeless. I remember being judged. I remember being judged. I remember all that stuff. I want to help them because that's not a good thing. I want them to experience the love of God. Maybe you've not gone through that. Doesn't mean you still can't help. Doesn't mean you still can't serve. Come on, amen? Really quiet in here. You see, empathy is risky. But it will change you. It will change that person who you've been loving towards. It will help them out. You see, self-giving is not a one-time act. It's a lifelong process. And you and I are going to struggle because the world tells us to be all about you. And God says be all about people as well. You see, Jesus can empathize with us. He understands your struggles. He understands your weaknesses. He understands all that. In fact, Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. He understands your weakness. He understands your trials. He felt it. And he went the extra mile and he went on the cross so that he could free you and I from it. Free us from the burden of sin. Free us from guilt and condemnation. Free us from this selfish world that that tells us. Here's the last thing, all right? Getting on the last thing is emptying yourself. The, the worship team's going to come in a moment. We're going to serve communion. In fact, if the worship team wants to come right now, we're going to serve you communion at the end. Here at the end, and we'll pray for you. But here's the last thing. Empty yourself without religious sacrifice. This again, this again is not emptying yourself to the point that you feel no joy where you just can't enjoy life. Emptying yourself means this. Being willing to give up so someone else can have. Not always sacrificing, but being, so you know what? I want to empty myself of always having to be first. I want to empty myself of it always when I come to the room. It's not always about me, but it's how I can help other people. Emptying myself means I'm going to let go of the fear that who's going to take care of me knowing that God said He will take care of me. Emptying myself means surrendering your selfishness and learning that generosity is actually more gratifying. Emptying yourself means I'm going to get rid of hate, unforgiveness, and bitterness because those actually just destroy me more than they help me. Emptying yourself says, you know what, how can I serve without always, again, I'm I'm repeating a lot, without being served, without getting something out of it. It means being like Jesus and wanting the best for others and being willing to, to give them so that you don't always receive the honor. How many of you understand there's a term, if you're a musician or if you've ever been in a, a band or choir, second chair. Anybody know what second chair is? None of you. Second fiddle, right? Back up, quarterback, right? Back up, you're the, you're the second stringer, the third stringer. Right? So this, if you're a second fiddle or second seat, in fact, uh, I think Leonard Bernstein said it's hard to find someone that wants to be second fiddle. He said he's never found it because everyone wants to be what? First chair. 
First chair, they get all the best parts, right? Come on. First string, you get the first play, right? First dabs, first dibs, first in gets used. And so Jesus says, you know what? It'd be really good for you to learn how to play second fiddle. And a good second stringer, a good backup player, a good second chair wants number one to look good. Say, how can I help? If you ever saw the movie Rudy, right? The guy had no chance of making the note. But he was out there. There was a scene where he was playing hard against these first. And they're just like, get out of the way. And they're like, what are you doing? He was trying to make them better. What would our world be like if we said, you know what? I can play second fiddle for a while. I can play second string. I can be back up to help someone else look good. Because that's what Jesus did. He took a towel off his robe and put a towel around. He washed people's feet. He broke the bread and all that. And he said, do this remembrance. He wasn't just talking about the meal. See, we miss out communion because it's all about, oh God, save me, help me. I want to, and we remind him of the sacrifice, what's great. But he said, it's really more about serving. I'm setting down an, a mode for you to learn to be a servant first. Because the first will be last and the last will be first. In the kingdom of God, which is eternal, the servant is the greatest. The world's kingdoms, which are here today, gone tomorrow, it's always about being top dog. And I'm not saying you can't be the best in whatever field you are, but every once in a while, it's okay for you to say, you know what, I'm going to be self-giving. I'm going to help my co-workers shine. I'm going to help my company shine. So it's not always about a bonus. It's not always about me. I'm going to serve in my church. It's not always about me, but it's about the kingdom of God. I'm just going to serve my neighbors because it's just my neighbors need help and I want to love them. If you want to experience real love, do this in remembrance of me. Serve one another without strings being attached. Serve and learn that sometimes it's, it's okay to be second. It's okay to be behind the scenes. You don't have to selfie. Oh, look, I'm at the soup kitchen. I'm giving money. Because you're just getting your blessing. Jesus said, you just got your blessing right there. It's bigger than that. Come on, amen? amen. All right, I love you. Would you stand with me this morning? Um, ushers are going to come. Actually, yeah, we're going to stand just for a moment. Self-giving means passionately playing second field. Self-giving means how can I look for others? In fact, here's what Romans 12, 9 and 10 says. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run, Run for dear life from evil. Hold on. For dear life to good, be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Romans 12, 9 and 10, this is the NIV. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted one to another, and brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. We're going to serve you. I know you're standing. It's going to be kind of hard. I, I messed up by having you stand because we typically do it at the altar time, all right? But you're going to get a piece of bread. You're going to get a cup. Would you just hold on to those together? You don't have to be a member of this church. You just you really should be a follower of Jesus. Take the cup. Take the bread. Hold on to them. So we're going to serve you. The worship team is going to sing, all right? So I'm going to, we're going to get going right now. Go ahead, worship team. When the mountains fall and the tempest roars, you are with me. me. 
When creation falls, still my soul will soar on your mercy. And I'll walk through the fire with my head lifted high and my spirit revived in your story. And I'll look to the cross as my failure is lost in the light of your glorious grace. So let the ruins come to life in the beauty of your name. Rising up from the ashes, God forever you reign. And my soul will find refuge in the shadow of your wings. I will love you forever. And forever I'll sing When the world caves in Still my hope will cling to your promise When my courage ends Let my heart find strength in your presence And I'll walk through the fire with my head lifted high and my spirit revived in your story. And I'll look to the cross as my failure is lost in the light of your glorious grace. So let the ruins come to life in the beauty of your name. Rising up from the ashes, God forever you reign. And my soul will find refuge in the shadow of your wings. I will love you forever and forever I'll sing. So let the ruins come to life in the beauty of your name. Rising up from the ashes, God forever you reign. And my soul will find refuge in the shadows.